I'm not 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
שנת יעקב צהלה ושמחה, בראותם יחד את חילת מרדכי. שושנת יעקב צהלה ושמחה, בראותם יחד את חילת מרדכי. שושנת יעקב צהלה ושמחה, בראותם יחד את חילת מרדכי. שושנת יעקב צהלה ושמחה, בראותם יחד את חילת מרדכי. תשועתם היית לנצח, ותקוותם בכל דור ודור. תשועתם היית לנצח, ותקוותם בכל דור
What is it? <laughs> What could I do for you? This is going to sound just utterly ridiculous to you, but I'm moving, you see? And in an old coat in a trunk, I found this shoe repair ticket that must be seven or eight years old. It's for some shoes I brought in before I went into the Navy, and then I moved away from Brooklyn, and now I found this old ticket. And I know it sounds ridiculous that you would have the shoes after seven years, but I took a chance. Oh, I get it. You're that fella from Candid Camera. <laughs> No, 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 sir. Honestly, look, look, here's the ticket. Let me see it. Are you out of your mind? We haven't even used the numbers in years. Next! No, please, sir. No, no, it was a long trip here from Baltimore. I know it's ridiculous, but please, take a look in the back. All right, all right. I'll look. I'll be right back. This is very embarrassing. But after all, they don't make shoes like they used to. How can I be foolish enough to think that after seven years, that they would still... Hey, mister from Baltimore, Maryland. Yes? You're not gonna believe it. You mean you found my shoes? Was it with half soles, leather heels, and metal tips? Yes, yes, that's right. It'll be ready Tuesday. J.M. in the A.M. After all, it is Rosh Chodesh Adar here at J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning on this March the 8th, day one in the month of Adar 2. Today is Rosh Chodesh, the second day of Rosh Chodesh, the year 5779. All the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh today, including Yalav Yavo, half Hallel, um, Musaf, Special uh, special Torah reading, Musaf, Baruch Inafshim, whatever your custom calls for in the category of Rosh Chodesh. Uh, it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Pekude, candle lighting at 534. This is the last time it's going to be this early for a while because we do change the clock tomorrow night on Sunday morning. Um, on Sunday morning, 2 a.m. becomes 3 a.m. We lose an hour of sleep here in the New York, New Jersey area along the eastern seaboard and really, I guess, throughout the United States, right? Maybe a couple of places that don't change the clock. Uh, but we go to daylight savings time. 2 a.m. will become 3 a.m. Um, and again, uh, candle lighting will be a lot later next week. By the way, keep in mind, and this is really important to keep in mind regarding our programming this coming Sunday, because I know there are a lot of people in Israel and really around the world that want to hear our broadcast from the Nefesh Benefesh mega event. We're going to hit the airwaves at 12 noon Eastern time. That means, for instance, because it's 12 noon Eastern time, it'll be 6 p.m. in Israel instead of 7 p.m. in Israel. So keep that in mind that for a period of a couple of weeks, until they change the clock in Israel, and I'm getting the exact date right now, it'll be March 29th. So, yeah, literally a period of three weeks because, uh, well, yeah, almost because it's um, – um, anyway <laughs> – because they're changing the clock in Israel. 
on March 29th for a period of just under three weeks. There will be a difference of six hours between the Eastern time zone and Israel instead of seven. So keep that in mind. So again, 12 noon this coming Sunday when we hit the, hit the airwaves, it'll be 6 p.m. in Israel. So keep that in mind. And JM in the AM, which traditionally begins at 6 a.m. Eastern time and usually starts at 1 p.m. Eastern time in Israel. Now for the next few weeks, we'll start at 12 noon Eastern time. In Israel, so keep all that in mind as we change the clock tomorrow night. We said it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Pekud Day with candle lighting time at 534, 26 degrees, 57 percent humidity, winds in northeast at three miles per hour. Mostly cloudy today with a high temperature of 40. Then tonight, mostly clear, low 29. I hear we missed the really cold weather earlier this week. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high temperature of 48 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 56. We're at 26 here in New York City. As we say, good morning at the JM and the AM. And um, I want to thank everybody who's been commenting on the app. I think we have the Ma'ashiv that's been requested on the app, so we'll go to that next. Hope I have the right one. If not, I'm sure they'll let me know. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, good to be back in the New York City studios. Uh, We love being on the road. We absolutely love being in Israel. I thought the programming this week has been spectacular. I hope I am not. Uh, I hope I'm not inaccurate. I hope I'm accurate about that. Uh, we had some phenomenal shows. I want to thank our friends, uh, really all through Israel, who were so instrumental in making this such a successful week. I want to thank Koren Publishers. I want to thank Azer Mitzion. I want to thank Shari Tzedek Medical Center. I want to thank our friends at uh, the Jerusalem College of Technology. I want to thank the Ben Gurion Medical Center, or as we know them now, the Medical School for International Health at Ben Gurion University. Certainly the Inbal Hotel gets a massive shout-out from us for good reason. What a great stay we had there. And, of course, the biggest shout-out uh, to those responsible for this entire week and so much of a connection between Israel and the diaspora. And that's our friends at Aaron's Casino Farms, where I will be later today. I don't know how one can possibly go into Shabbos without stopping by Aaron's Casino Farms for everything you need. How is it possible? Explain it to me. (laughs) NSN on the road in Israel is sponsored by Aaron's Casino Farms. Make sure to take Aaron's Casino Farms on the road with you this Pesach for all your Pesach needs. And again, I am uh, really uh, thrilled that we pulled off such an amazing week in the Holy Land. It was just uh, it was just phenomenal. And again, thanks to the Inbal for being our home base. It was uh, just a wonderful experience. And the new rooms are incredible. The new rooms are really are really something. And if you're going to the Inbal, although I'll tell you something, <clears throat> it's really two great experiences, seriously. If you have the quote-unquote old rooms of the Inbal, you're in great shape. They really are phenomenal. We've stayed there a million times. And the new ones are great, and they're more spacious. But uh, no matter where you end up, like don't, don't worry if don't worry about anywhere where you end up staying in that hotel because the entire facility is just amazing and the new rooms are very 2019 and really cool. Um, so big thank you to the Inbal. Uh, I want to take this opportunity to wish a Mazel Tov to Tamar and Ross Rothenberg on Wednesday night. They were recognized as honorees, along with the Hermans and Dina Lewin and Becky Weisberg at the uh, at the Yeshivat Noam dinner, so Mazal Tov. Also, again, I want to wish a Mazal Tov to the Israel Tinek honorees, guests of honor Janet and Lior Hode. Also, a, um, a Mazal Tov to Ilana and Ellie Katz. 
to that to um, Danny. Is it Doric? I won't get the right pronunciation in a minute. That dinner is happening at the Fairlawn Jewish Center. March 10th is coming Sunday. And again, we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Um, now, Danny Doria. Danny Doria. Uh, the Gratitude Award endowed by the Hode family. Mazal Tov, congratulations to Danny from all of us here at JM in the AM. And don't forget that Sunday is the mega event. Um, you can meet Aliyah-minded people, learn about Aliyah resources, explore opportunities in Israel. There'll be a vendor fair. There'll be informative sessions. We'll be there from noon to one. Remember, six-hour difference starting Sunday morning between the Eastern Seaboard and Israel. We'll be there from noon Eastern time until 2 o'clock. Noon till 2. Did I say noon till 1? Noon till 2 o'clock. If you haven't registered yet for Sunday's uh, mega event for Nefesh Benefesh, nbn.org slash mega. Again, that's nbn.org slash mega. And as we said earlier, a um, special thank you to Aaron's Casino Farms for sponsoring our NSN on the road in Israel this week. Very, very proud of the programming that we provided all week long uh, to everybody around the world, especially to those in the diaspora, as we continuously try to bridge the gap between Israel and the communities outside of Israel around the world. Plenty to talk about during the weekly update, which is one hour from now. Malcolm Holmline will join us. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us for the weekly update coming up at 740 Eastern Time. Rabbi Yudin is scheduled for 815 Parsha's Pekude as we close out the book of Shmos. <clears throat> and um, plenty more. Plenty more on a Friday as we continue on a Rosh Chodesh morning at JM in the AM.
This court will please come to order. Mr. Rabinowitz, you are the foreman of the jury. Have you reached a verdict? Judge, Your Honor, we have been listening to the facts in this case for six weeks, and it has been a wonderful experience for us all. We, the jury, would like to thank you for the way you have conducted this case. Thank you, Mr. Rabinowitz. But the verdict, please. Certainly, Your Honor. We, the jury, Mr. Cohen, Mr. Fine, Mr. Landsberg, the lovely Mrs. Belkowitz. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Robinowitz. You're welcome. <coughs> Mr. Robinowitz, the verdict. Coming, Your Honor. Mr. Goldberg, Mr. Katz, Mr. Stein, Mrs. Cantor, Mr. Not lovely. The lovely Mrs. Cantor. <laughs> lovely. 
Mr. Rabinowitz, Mr. Finkelstein, Mr. Bloom, and Mr. Pinkus the Furrier. Your Honor, the 12 of us have spent the past four days in the jury room debating this case. And we examine the evidence pro and con in backwards and forwards to decide in the American way, did he or didn't he do it? <laughs> Mr. Rabinowitz, the verdict, and now. Immediately, Your Honor. We, the jury, after careful deliberation on this case, have decided we shouldn't make in. <laughs> Yep, it's Rosh Chodesh Adar here at JM and the AM on a Friday morning. Yomza was done by Eitan Freilich, by the way. Uh, before that, you heard Dov Levine and Sapru from the Hallel All-Star album. Paducha, brand new Baruch Levine, MBD, Mordechai Ben David's Mo'ashiv. Again, off the Hallel All-Star album. Friday morning on this March 8th, the first day of Adar 2. It's Rosh Chodesh morning. It's the second day of Rosh Chodesh on this era of Shabbos Parshas Paku Day. We'll close out the Book of Shmos this Shabbos. Candle lighting at 534 in the New York area. It'll be uh, this early only for this week because um, we change the clock tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, daylight savings time begins, which means that uh, 2 a.m. will become 3 a.m. on Sunday morning. And that means that for a period of almost three weeks, it'll be a three, excuse me, it'll be a six-hour difference between the eastern seaboard of the United States and Israel which means when we broadcast from the mega event this coming Sunday, um, it'll be 12 noon Eastern time, which means in Israel, it'll be 6 p.m. All right, so keep that in mind. For a period of almost three weeks, it'll be a six-hour difference between the Eastern time zone and the state of Israel. We are jumping ahead to daylight, or springing ahead, as they say. The Daylight Savings Time. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. Galait Sal in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. And let's hope we, in fact, are able to present our entire broadcast of the news from Israel. You may recall, before we left for Israel, we were having trouble in that area. We'll see if we can keep our connection to Galay Tzal, to Israel Army Radio, strong for the next few minutes. <laughs> uh, candle lighting, as we said, 534, 26 degrees, mostly cloudy and a high of 40. Not bad. Tonight, 29. And tomorrow, sunny and 48. So Baruch Hashem, I know we missed some of the really cold weather while we were in Israel. Baruch Hashem, the weekend looks uh, really, really nice. And we'll be at the mega event in Teaneck at the Marriott Glen Point with Nevesh Benefesh on the air from 12 to 2. Eastern Time on the Nahum Siegel Network. Make sure to be listening on Sunday. And our NSN on the road in Israel this week, sponsored by Aaron's Casino Farms. Make sure to take Aaron's Casino Farms on the road with you this Pesach for all your Pesach needs. And we thank Aaron's Casino Farms for really giving us an amazing opportunity this week. Much appreciated. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. Boker Tov from Rosh Chodesh Tov from Jenny. גלי צהל השעה שתיים, שלום רב באולפן נועם אבירה ממה שקורה עכשיו. מאות מוסלמים מתפללים בשעה זו במתחם שער הרחמים בהר הבית, חרף החלטת בית המשפט לסגור את האזור. 
המתפללים הגיעו לתפילת יום השישי אחרי שגורמים קיצוניים במזרח ירושלים קראו להם להגיע בהמוניהם בטענה כי זהו חלק בלתי נפרד ממסגד אל-אקצא. כוחות הביטחון הפרוסים במקום נמנעים לפי שעה מלהתערב בנעשה ועד עתה לא נרשמו שם עימותים. כתבנו ג'קי חוגי מוסר כי השליח ששיגרה ישראל לירדן אתמול הוא ראש המועצה לביטחון לאומי מאיר בן שבת אולם הושב לישראל מבלי שהושגו הסכמות כלשהן. עשרות מן עשרות מנשות הכותל נאלצו להתפנות הבוקר מן הרחבה ושתיים נפצעו כאשר חרדים קיצוניים ניסו למנוע מהן בכוח להתפלל במקום. רב הכותל שמואל רבינוביץ' הגיב ואמר חייבים לעצור אחת ולתמיד את השימוש בכותל כבמה למאבקים ציבוריים. הניחו לכותל לבל יהפוך חודש אדר מחודש של שמחה ואחדות לחודש של אבל ומחלוקת. מקור במשטרת צרפת טוען הנזק שנגרם לאנדרטה לזכר בית הכנסת בשטרסבורג נבע מתאונה ולא מתקרית אנטישמית. צילום של מצלמות האבטחה במקום מגלה כי נהג שנסע לאחור פגע באנדרטה בטעות. התקרית עוררה כזכור סערה בצרפת על רקע התגברות האנטישמיות במדינה. היום נכנס לתוקפו השלב הראשון ביישום החוק לאיסור שיווק מוצרי עישון שאושר באחרונה בכנסת. במסגרת החוק החדש כל ההגבלות שחלות על סיגריות רגילות יחולו גם על סיגריות אלקטרוניות והגבלות חמורות יחולו על פרסום מוצרי עישון מכל סוג. עישון סיגריה אלקטרונית במקומות ציבוריים ייאסר והיצרנים יחויבו להדפיס אזהרה על גבי האריזה. כמו כן תיאסר מכירה של סיגריות אלקטרוניות לקטינים ותיאסר מכירה של המוצרים שריכוז הניקוטין שבהם עולה על 20 מיליליטר. תחזית מזג האוויר, סוף השבוע יהיה נאה עם עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת פקודי, לסיום קריאת ספר שמות. ירושלים בחמש ושש דקות, תל אביב חמש עשרים ואחת, בחיפה חמש ושתים עשרה דקות, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת בחמש עשרים וארבע. ואלה זמני צאת השבת, מחר בערב, בירושלים שש ותשע עשרה דקות, בתל אביב שש עשרים ואחת, בחיפה שש ועשרים, ובבאר שבע שש עשרים ושתיים. שבת שלום לכולכם, אלה החדשות.
Corporal Goldstein, you're two hours late. Two hours. You better have a good excuse. Uh, well, sir, I was, I was sleeping in the barracks when I was awakened by this mysterious noise. Huh? So I crept out. I find 4,000 of the enemy surrounding the camp. I see. So I snug up behind them, and I gave them my hands up. Young Ho Goldstein. Yes. <laughs> so I tied them all up, and I marched them 50 miles down the road to the PW camp. And then what? And then I went back, and I drove the 42 tanks they had with them to the motor pool, and I repainted them. He painted them? Yes. Blue and white. <laughs> then I went back to the barracks and took a nice warm bath, and here I am. Uh-huh. And that took you a whole two hours? <laughs> J.M. in the A.M. in this month of Adar on Rosh Chodesh Adar. Yes, yes, yes. How do you like that? Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Welcome to J.M. in the A.M. for a Friday morning era of Shabbos. Uh, before the uh, comedy segment, Shmoli Horowitz with Mi Adir, Moshe done by Ari Goldwag, Yaakov Shweki's Aish, and Shainis. That was Shimmy Engel opening up the... Um, 7 o'clock hour here at JMNAM. Good to be back in our New York City studio. Amazing programming from Israel. We thank all of you for tuning in, and thank you all for the reaction to our programming from Israel. It was uh, it was some, it was really something. A big thank you to our uh, hospitality guests, those who um, took good care of us in Jerusalem at the Inbal Hotel. Thank you very much to uh, Ronnie Timzit and everybody at the... Uh, at the... Um, Inbal Hotel. NSN on the road in Israel brought to you by uh, Aaron's Casino Farms. Make sure to take Aaron's Casino Farms on the road with you this Pesach for all your Pesach needs. And a big thank you to our friends at Koren Publishers and Azer Mitzion, Shari Tzedek Medical Center, Jerusalem College of Technology, Medical School for International Health at Ben Gurion University, 
Um, the inbound we mentioned, everybody who had a role in our fabulous programming this week, much appreciated to say the least, uh, was really something. Good to be back here in our studio. We'll have a full conversation about the uh, things going on in the Jewish world with Malcolm Honline, who's going to join us less than 20 minutes from now. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll speak with him coming up here at JM in the AM. Rabbi Yudin, of course, on Parshas Baku Day as we close out the Book of Shmos. That's coming up at 8.15. And a reminder, we change the clock tomorrow. 2 a.m. becomes 3 a.m. We go to Daylight Saving Time, and it's going to be uh, a six-hour difference for the period of about three weeks. It'll be a six-hour difference between the eastern uh, seaboard of the United States and uh, the state of Israel. So when we broadcast this coming Sunday from the Nefesh Benefesh mega event in New Jersey, uh, we'll start at 12 noon Eastern time. In Israel, it'll be 6 p.m. Uh, Israel time. Okay, six-hour difference coming up for the next three weeks once we change the clock early, early Sunday morning. So keep that in mind. It's a Rosh Chodesh morning here at JMNAM, all the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh, including Yalav Yavo and Half Hallel and special Torah reading and Musaf and Baruch Inafshi, whatever your custom calls for on a Rosh Chodesh day. Mazal Tov going out to Janet and Lior Hode, Ilana and Ellie Katz, all the honorees of the Young Israel Teaneck Dinner, which is happening this coming Sunday night. We say Mazal Tov to the honorees from all of us here at JM and the AM. Also, Mazal Tov to Tamar and Ross Rothenberg. They were recognized along with the Hermans and Dina Lewin and Becky Weisberg this past Wednesday night at the um, Yeshivat Noam Dinner. So we say Mazal Tov to them from all of us here at JM and the AM. And a reminder, this coming Sunday, we broadcast from the Nefesh Benefesh mega event. It's happening at um, at the Glen Point Marriott in Teaneck, New Jersey, beginning at 10 a.m. Please register nbn.org.il. Excuse me, nbn.org slash mega, nbn.org slash mega to meet Aliyah-minded people, to learn about Aliyah resources, to explore opportunities in Israel, nbn.org slash mega. We will broadcast from there starting at 12 noon Eastern time this coming Sunday, 12 noon Eastern time at 6 p.m. in Israel, right? Because we change the clock tomorrow, or Sunday. Um, so we start at 12 noon Eastern time. We go until 2 p.m. Eastern time live from the Nefesh Benefesh mega event. Again, it's happening in Teaneck, New Jersey this year. We hope to see you on Sunday. More coming up. It's Friday at JM in the AM.
letzten Tag ist noch in noch. Pernusse, sie bringen euch Tate, Bache, Atug noch, Atug, als Aschwere Woche. Zum Gaschmi ist Leben, wir lassen sich herab. Kombus bekennt sich dem Mut im Kappen. Es kommt aber Schabes, alles stellt sich auf. Dicke Tische, wir kennen die Liften tappen. Lachut euch die Lekras Kalo. Benau, ich habe es nicht abgelohnt. Lachut euch die Lekras Kalo. Benau, ich habe es nicht abgelohnt. Eine ganze Woche wie bitte Shabbos Koyedesh, we have melech alayn. The van of Tish, the Shabbos lech. Nafshi Choylas, far lieb Shabtos gain. And the Shubme Yisayre, anayim chish. Esritoch di Shkine, us besser findeim. Di ganze Mishpuche, da the Shabbos Tish. The Tatel singt in die Kinderlech mit dem Lechut oi die Lechras Kalot Nalai Shabos Nekabelo Lechut oi die Lechras Kalot Nalai Shabos Nekabelo
J.M. and the A.M. with Eden and Lechadodi. Friday morning on this Rosh Chodesh morning at J.M. and the A.M. It's Arab Shabbos Parshas Bakude. Candle lighting in New York, 534. Don't forget, we will change the clock tomorrow night on Sunday morning. 2 a.m. will become 3 a.m. For a period of about three weeks, we'll have a six-hour difference between the eastern part of the United States and the state of Israel. Keep that in mind that starting Sunday morning, it'll be a six-hour difference until we get to the end of March when Israel goes to... Um, Daylight saving time. That's how it works. So keep that in mind. Don't forget, Sunday's the mega event. will be there starting at 12 noon Eastern time. The entire event is from 10 until 4, an opportunity to meet Aliyah-minded people, to learn about Aliyah resources and explore opportunities in Israel with our friends at Nefesh Benefesh. Nefesh Benefesh mega event, Teaneck, New Jersey, at the Glen Point Marriott this coming Sunday. Register by going to nbn.org slash mega. Again, that's nbn.org slash mega. The NSN On the Road in Israel was brought to you by our friends at Aaron's Casino Farms. We had an amazing week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday in the Holy Land. I want to again thank um, Aaron's Casino Farms for sponsoring the entire week On the Road in Israel. Make sure to take Aaron's Casino Farms on the road with you this Pesach for all your Pesach needs. We'll hear more about Aaron's, of course. We get closer and closer to the big holiday. I want to thank our friends at jewishworldreview.com. Jewishworldreview.com gives you an opportunity to print out thousands of articles before Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world. Take advantage of it. And Malcolm Honline is going to join us in a second. A reminder that Malcolm Honline will be this Pesach in Puerto Vallarta. Hope I have that pronounced properly. Go to the website, pesachinvallarta.com, 
PesachInVayarta.com. Someone in Israel mentioned that to us, by the way. <laughs> they heard our uh, reference to Pesach in Vallarta. Uh, and also there's a phone number, 786-290-5919. That's 786-290-5919. Rosh Chodesh morning at JM in the AM. Again, a reminder, we change the clock tomorrow night. 2 a.m. becomes 3 a.m. There'll be a six-hour difference between Israel and the eastern part of the United States for a period of almost three weeks coming up starting on Sunday morning. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning era of Shabbos. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. It's always good to be with you. Good Chodesh. Good Chodesh. Well, I'll tell you that uh, two things I learned in Israel. Number one, and you always reference the cab drivers, when you speak to the local people in Israel... I don't think I have seen a more confused electorate before any election like I'm seeing now. So that was the first thing, because very often you'll have people, especially a month before the election, with definitive views about who they're voting for. In this case, I heard every candidate you could imagine from so many different people who are completely confused about what's happening uh, with this upcoming election. The second thing I learned from the, and I'm sure you saw this, from the billboards around town, is that Kachlon has Kachlon has a running mate, uh, a running mate uh, Menachem Begin, and Shas is running Rebbe Yosef. That's the way it looks. If you pay careful attention to the uh, to the billboards that are around uh, uh, the state of Israel at this point, so people are trying to grab on to some of the great legacies of the state of Israel in order to uh, promote their own campaign. So there's my assessment of what I learned about the current campaign in Israel over the last week or so. Well, what I was impressed was how many Kachlon signs there are around. Right. It's a tremendous number. Um, and, you know, he, he could be the surprise factor here. I found the exact same thing, and, and even talking to Israelis here this week, that uh, used to usually vote could or vote uh, labor, uh, so they don't vote. They're reluctant to vote for Netanyahu more so than I had expected, and I think that you know, over the month that to come, that will change again, too. But a number of them said that they would vote Kahlon because they didn't like the other alternatives. Um, Bennett could be a beneficiary, um, and the the uh, United Party, um, with uh, Bayez Yehudi and Otsman and the others together, are polling, I think somebody told me, is seven to nine seats, depending on which poll you look at. Uh, but I do believe people are undecided, and the um, you know the, there's a, a lot of flux. I think that that people are going to wait to see when Gantz really outlines um, policies. He has not done so till now, and I think you know they will they will try to avoid it as long as necessary because he 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 this way is the alternative. Right. Uh, and and I don't know that Lapid inspires that many people. To, to switch to, to the party as much as I think Gantz as a new face uh, is an attraction. So I, I believe it's very much up in the air. And But people tend to settle back to their traditional voting patterns once they get into the uh, polling booth. I'm looking at some of the, um, because the Jerusalem Post has a great comprehensive look at the whole situation at the moment. And um, two of the parties you just mentioned, both Bennett's and Cajlones, are really polling anywhere between four and seven seats, not a lot. Uh, as you just indicated, though, that could be 
that the the real result could be much different. They could they could end up with a lot. One of them, uh, if not both, could end up with a lot more influence um, uh, over you know over the, once the election takes place. And I'm just wondering if some of those might come from uh, uh, from from potential votes that are now being attributed to um, uh, to uh, to Gantz. In other words, I'm wondering if, if some people who you know are, are telling everybody that they're willing to make this big change and go with the left block coalition, and I think this is what you mean, if in fact they're just uncomfortable with Netanyahu and will end up somewhere a little bit more moderate in their position, but go, then going all the way, you know, in what politically we would say all the way left, right? But that that would be the the consideration there. But but the yes, but the um, Gans has positioned himself. At center, even right, center right, right, and they, and, uh, and oops, yes, you're still there. Pardon me, you're yeah. still there. No problem. Uh, I'm sorry. And okay. the and the and Lapid is sort of center left, right. So they can appeal to the broad center, and that's why I think they're not going to enunciate you know serious positions or will over time. But haven't uh, they did say there wouldn't be an, another disengagement in their time? Right. I think they're addressing some of of uh, the issues like Jerusalem uh, to reassure people, and Netanyahu will will strike it. And if you notice, he was uh, pictured with the military in the south yesterday, yep. and, in, uh, and then at the uh, Thad, the U.S. Uh, missile uh, anti missile system that was uh, placed in Israel as part of the uh, joint drill. Um, because he's running as the security prime minister. As usual. And we, we talked about doubling down on that whole thing, and there's no question the way his campaign really uh, um, uh, revved up this week that he's completely on that bandwagon in uh, in trying to prove to everybody that the state of Israel and its citizens are only safe if they have Netanyahu as a leader. Uh, he continues to play that card, and like we say, he's doubling down on it. Uh, this French uh, law that they're trying to, that one of the members of the Likud was trying to introduce uh, that minor uh, violations and infractions cannot uh, – that a, a sitting prime minister would be safe from indictment or further illegal action when minor violations have taken place. It does not look like that law is going to be uh, – is going to get anywhere in the, in the Israeli system, correct? And that, and that um, if he's looking for an out um, from these you know, pending indictments, it's not going to happen. It's not going. He's not going to get out from it. Uh, public opinion, I think, is much too strong. Mm. If the system itself would allow for it, which it doesn't. Uh, w- what is interesting is that a minister, if he's indicted, has to step down. A prime minister does not. And uh, for the first time, I was told the reasoning behind that: that a minister, if he's found innocent later on, can go back then be reappointed as a minister. Right? Or, right or go back to his previous position. A prime minister, once he steps down, can't go back. Mm. And, uh, or, you know, certainly not until much time passes, right. whatever. But you can't revert back as a minister could and be reappointed by the prime minister and, and just assume their position again. So that's the reason why the prime minister doesn't have to stand down uh, like a minister does. Right. All right. Look. This thing is interesting, and as we know now, you know we're four weeks away, um, and uh, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen, and who knows once the election, in fact, is over, how they're going to uh, proceed in terms of forming a government, etc. Um, you know, I heard a lot. <laughs> I did hear a lot in Israel this week of it really makes no difference who's in charge. 
And you know what? Once a country gets to that point that, you know, it, it, every, that essentially, you know, you, you don't know who to trust anymore, the right or the left, you know, then you wonder about the skepticism that people have um, uh, toward the leaders in Israel at this but point. But I think in that instance, he benefits that people will go with what they know mm. than take a chance on something they don't know, if that's in fact where they're at. Right, if that's the attitude. Boy, this is going to be fascinating, but again, every election in Israel is. But, course. you know, the, with, it, with the challenges that Israel faces, both in the south and we see on the Harabite now over the, right. um, the Shahrachmim, over the Golden Gate right. incident, and today uh, big demonstrations uh, scheduled, and um, that the situation there is very tense, and it's Jordan that is, in fact, pushing that, that card very hard. And, you know, this was this entrance was closed for a long time. Now we saw them putting down the rugs, which makes it a mosque. Essentially, once a, a roof goes over it, then it's declared officially a mosque, and they can't do anything. And this is already, the, I think, the sixth mosque on top of Harabayat, on the Temple Mount. In 1967, when Israel came in, I think there was only one. And the, um, But you see how tense it is and how quickly it, uh, it can flare up. And the PA is going through its own metamorphosis, and they've picked a new candidate for uh, prime minister who's going to be in the elections that are coming up, and it, it's uh, a guy that is very committed to, um, uh, to to Abbas, obviously, and he's not, you know, giving any, uh, any leeway, but you see that they are uh, continuing to pay the terrorists, even if they don't pay their own government employees, they are paying the terrorists the, their stipends that he's doing it. Dafka, when he knows the Taylor Force law, the laws in Israel, and saying that he's not going to take any money from Israel because they deducted um, uh, some of the money for for they, they try to push this agenda at the recent meeting in the of the Arab parliaments, which took place in Amman, and the UAE, Egypt, and I think Saudi Arabia all voted against the clause uh, that was critical to stop the normalization with Israel. And so it went down to defeat. But the instigation of it and the, you know, pressing this agenda. So, you know, there's a lot of tense points, and that, too, will affect um, the outcome of an election. Let's go back for a second, though. You mentioned the building. This Bab al-Rama was what? Was it an empty building? Was it, you, it's, it's not you, a building. It's, it's an actual shire. It's one of the gates, and it was sealed because it was a uh, Muslim Brotherhood of Hamas had dominated it so many years and used it as a headquarters. Inside, there is a there is a building. I mean, there is an, an area there, right? And the, but the the rugs were being put outside. You know, there, there's I think a portal over it, but it, it's open, and they they've expanded it into a much bigger area, and putting rugs down so. Because right. the Muslims obviously play on prey on rugs, but the law is that once a roof goes over it, then it's recognized as a mosque. So that's why the police made them lift up the rugs, even though nobody explained this in the media. You know, and and um, because once it's declared, then that's the way it stays forever. Okay, and once it is a mosque, then the Waqf has authority over that specific building. That's exa- that's right. But doesn't the Waqf have authority over the Temple Mount? Or, or I'm, I'm mistaken, and in reality, Israel officially has security authority over the Temple Mount. And The, the Waqf- police have, prior- have, have authority. The Waqf 
uh, asserts itself and is being much more assertive now. Right. And as I said, Jordan has played a role in in. Um, Right. So for argument so for argument's sake, if in fact the, 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 the prayer card, let's use that for a second, has gotten the walk to have, I don't know, authority over thirty, forty, fifty percent, I have zero idea what it really is, over Harabayat, now this episode is their attempt to just grab more. Simple as that. And grab more of the temple mat. And right. there's an interesting uh, note there. If you when you look at the pictures you'll see there's like areas of dirt, um, squares uh, this is also material that was taken uh, when Arafat uh, built the mosque and destroyed huge amounts. And, you know, the sifting project is based on that, where they took hundreds of tons of debris. You saw this up close and personal. Uh, I certainly have many times. Yeah. But but the the material was taken, and, you know, 160,000 volunteers have worked for 10 years, uh, over the past 10 years, sifting through it. And people can just go and do it. And it's an amazing exercise, which I fully recommend. But there, there are two huge plots with additional debris that has never been sifted, never gone through. Because they, the, the stuff that Israel has in the sifting project was taken to the dump. This stuff was just left there. So that, too, will then become covered and never accessed. Right. So the, you know, the, the, the ramifications, obviously, are... Uh, uh, you know, grow when you think about what what all of this means. It's not, you know, just somebody putting a rug down and wanting to pray at that corner for a day. This becomes then a permanent establishment and further erosion of the status quo on the Harabite. All right, Temple I, Mount. I, I know I'm going to be criticized on many different levels for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway, and uh, you could choose to agree or not. But and 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 often when someone else would say this, I would not approve of it. But I don't know if it's a coincidence that, that we watch this week all this happening on Harabayat, and God forbid, we, we the Jewish people and the state of Israel, losing more um, uh, area uh, that we're directly responsible for, the way you just described it, on Harabayat. And at the same time, we are watching um, large groups of us filled with resentment uh, acting the way we are very, very close to Harabayat. And I, I've said this a million times, Malcolm, and you've probably heard this a million times as well from different Jewish leaders. We are not nearly as concerned about the way we behave toward each other during times of turmoil and trouble the way we are concerned about how we behave toward each other during times of peace and prosperity. And now, thank God, we're in a time of peace and prosperity, and it, 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 is, it, is, it is difficult sometimes to watch what is going on near the Temple Mount uh, when it comes to the Jewish family and um, and the way we are behaving. So I'm just going to say it that way. I don't know if you have a reaction to that, but I just think that we have to reconsider other methods to get our points across compared to the terrible images that come out when we are fighting with each other. Well, that's certainly true. And, the you know, it's uh, something that I said a couple months ago uh, when I, we were in Israel more than a month ago, and it was re- reproduced yesterday in the paper, requoted, where I-, I said that people have to think about the images and the meanings of words and the projection at a time when we're coming under siege. The it is even more important that we take into account the importance of what we do. We stand by principle. We don't uh, shirk it. We have to, you know, stand firm on what we believe and what's important. But I can't agree more that. 
the achdut of Klai Yisrael is more important now than in a long time. I mean, what is the enemy thinking when they see Jews acting violently toward each other? They must they must love every second of it. They should just remember why the Romans, the generals, held back because they were told the Jews are fighting amongst themselves. You don't have to do anything. You can walk in and take over Yerushalayim. And so it was. So it was. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSingle.com, on the NahumSingle Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. I want to thank our friends at Aaron's Casino Farms. They had an amazing uh, presentation of us on the road in Israel this week, and I thank them and all of our wonderful hosts and sponsors in the Holy Land. And I remind you, speaking of Israel, uh, Israel needs us, and Nefesh Benefesh is helping facilitate that. We'll broadcast live this coming Sunday from the Nefesh Benefesh Mega Event. It's in Teaneck, New Jersey, nbn.org slash mega, nbn.org slash mega. All right, there are a lot of people uh, rightfully concerned about what's going on in Washington. Um, first of all, someone asked where they can find, I mean, th- there's a list of, of who voted for and against this uh, resolution condemning anti-Semitism, right? That's not hard to find. No, it's very easy. It was posted yesterday, yeah. and it's available. And you can go to the, I'm sure, to the congressional record and uh, find it. But uh, people should not jump to the conclusion that people who voted against it, I think there were 23 votes against it, right. who were Republicans, right. but they vote, most voted against it because they felt the resolution was too weak, that they had wanted to see a separate resolution on anti-Semitism did not support this compromise measure, which, uh, you know, incorporates all the isms, uh, every possible ism and, and form of bigotry, uh, I think uh, diminishing the specific impact, uh, which was a response to, to the remarks that uh, Omar has made many times. And the uh, there, was, there was originally to be just a condemnation of her and then her name being removed and just a condemnation, but specifically about anti-Semitism. And then they further watered it down. And if you listen to the remarkable words of people like Ted Deutsch, Elliot Engel, uh, Josh Gottheimer, I think, um, Lee Zeldin, um, um, uh, uh, I think there were uh, several more who who spoke uh, very movingly and have have been very courageous in uh, uh, standing up to to um, uh, what has been happening and and trying to be clear about the purpose and and why this is uh, uh, troubling to to many Jews. It's good that there's a resolution and that Congress acted against um, anti-Semitism, but amongst many other forms of racism, all which should be condemned, maybe in a separate resolution, as uh, several of them mentioned. Um, but the the important thing is to, to, to recognize uh, the debate and to look at some of the very offensive comments that Clyburn made, uh, the majority whip in the House, um, in which he said that, you know, that her Suffering, the suffering of the refugees yeah, is boy. more immediate in the Holocaust <laughs> and Japanese in turn were a long time ago in World War II. <laughs> he, he remembered that the refugees, it was 1948. That wasn't any much longer than the Holocaust, and that uh, the refugees are still alive. They weren't killed. They, they moved to other countries and were kept as refugees in those countries. Whereas the people, the victims of the Holocaust, that was permanent. There was no coming back. Yeah, plus, plus, I would say the 2,000-year history of everybody trying to kill us, which is a very big part of every Jew's uh, uh, you know, upbringing in this country or anywhere. That also shouldn't be minimized. 
Uh, yeah, I thought that that comment was absolutely outrageous. Uh, but but here's the point, and everybody out there tonight, you know, you're at the Shabbos table this evening, uh, and 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 I guarantee you, the next generation, especially as they are clouded by some of the comments in the media, are going to wonder what's wrong with this resolution. And as Ron Lauder said, all forms of bigotry and xenophobia, including Islamophobia, should be condemned. But we must not forget the specific nature of anti-Semitism within the current climate of anti-Zionism and rising attacks against Jews. This is reminiscent of Jewish leadership of decades ago who resented the, the, the um, attempt uh, to turn the Holocaust into a, an event that affected many, many groups of people. And of course, we acknowledge all the groups that were targeted during the Holocaust. But to to go ahead and and uh, assume or presume that the, the, that the Holocaust and the final solution is initiated by Hitler was not specifically aimed at the Jews and Jews primarily is ridiculous. Everyone has to remember that, that this was a war against the Jews. And yes, of course, many other groups, you know, ended up being 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 tortured and killed. But remember where the, how this all started, and that's one of the outrageous things about this resolution, frankly. Well, there, there are several things. Number one, it is not equivalent. Fifty-eight percent of religious hate crimes are directed at Jews. Right. Nineteen percent against uh, Muslims, and that has decreased by seven uh, percent, and anti-Semitism has increased by five uh, percent. Second, we know that, the, you know, that Pelosi said, uh, Nancy Pelosi said that she didn't believe this was intended as an anti-Semitic, in an anti-Semitic way. Well, that exculpates uh, someone who has had a history and repeatedly, and is a BDS supporter, which denies Jews self-determination. When they use known canards and, and tropes like dual loyalty uh, and, uh, you know, distort the role of APAC, which doesn't endorse and doesn't have a pack and uh, yet, uh, I mean, there's no talk about all the money the Arab world spends or her taking money from uh, CARE. Um, and, the uh, you know, when you, you try to create this kind of omnibus bill, which, again, we want to condemn any kind of hatred, any kind of, of, of uh, bigotry that is uh, manifest should be addressed. But this here, you're talking about something very, very specific. And now you make... The anti-Semite, the victim, which is an age-old uh, tactic, or the the bigot, the the, the victim, and the, the the people who are targeted become then the person, the people under charge, or or who who become the focus. And we saw this uh, repeatedly now in the in the talk about you know control of Congress and so many other things that that have been said. You know, the big lie still works. Yep. The difference is that it takes seconds, not months, to spread a, uh, the big lie. Right. And nobody should be deluded when they say, uh, Martin Luther King said, when they talk about against Zionists, they mean Jews. Yep. And then you're talking about anti-Semitism. And I think that that, that is really the concern. And I, I, I don't question the motives of most of the people involved. I think they really do repudiate anti-Semitism. We know the American people do. We know the Democrats, most the vast majority of the members of the Democratic Party, and the vast majority of the members of of Congress who are Democrats overwhelmingly would reject it. And this is a small minority who have expressed these kind of radical views, not just on on Jews or Israel, but on other issues as well. 
but the media has given them such dominance and such prominence, and the the it, we shouldn't exaggerate their role. And I don't think we should be focusing on them. I think we have to focus on the other side, on building up the the, the antidotes and the, the kind of actions that we want to see taken and how law enforcement, everybody across the board, acts against these uh, anti-Semitic incidents. And we see it now on campuses, you know, the popularity that that, that is achieved by some of these people and the, the fact that campuses this week, two of them, voted BDS resolutions. Uh, and it was very telltale that this member of Congress spoke to Corbin, and you know we're getting Corbin on the Potomac uh, right now. That that this is same or very similar moves, and I, I yep. keep, kept saying here, as you know, that England is the model. Uh huh. I didn't think it would go this far and this quickly. Right. Um. The scariest part. The, the scariest political part for all this, especially for the younger people who who are you know seeing this type of thing for the first time, uh, is the Pelosi statement. And I know I don't, I don't mean to make you feel uncomfortable by singling somebody out. So feel free to either you know respond or or not you know to whatever degree you want. But but that someone like her who is really you know uh, who politically you know has some real political smarts. Uh, that she can come out with a statement, I do not believe that she understood the full weight of the words. I feel confident that her words were not based on any anti-Semitic attitude. I mean, I, I think it would have been better for her to say nothing than to look foolish and say, excuse me, you you, you really don't believe there was any anti-Semitism uh, in, this, in this woman's heart and mind when she, when she said what she said and now has said, it, has said it or something similar multiple times? And that's the scary part, that real... Mainstream political leaders from states with large Jewish communities in a party with great support from our people is ready to make a public statement like that. Right. Yeah. And and uh, we know that some of the internal debates, uh, at least some of the accounts of it, and I've spoken to some who even uh, had firsthand knowledge, uh, were were disturbing as well. But but you know the party is facing a real challenge about how do they retain unity, how do they not divide, uh, uh, and and the reason why they went with the compromise, and I think in this case they, the, uh, she and the others were trying to read the tea leaves, uh, was that between 50 and 100 members were not going to sign on to the original resolution. Mm. So th- is, is it worse, they would argue, and I think she would argue, to have a resolution where half of the caucus or so doesn't vote for it, which undermines then the effort against anti-Semitism. But what does that tell us about the Democratic Party? If that many would have, in fact, not voted for it, if it would have been introduced. Well, they rally around there. And again, it, it says why people have to be not just right, but smart and have to be careful. Uh, when you look at what happened in the West Virginia, you know, it rallied people around her and it was certainly offensive and you know, a dumb thing to do, and and, uh, and I don't know why somebody you know would just do it because uh, you know haters don't think necessarily. Uh, but it rallied everybody around her, and then it became you know Islamophobia and anti-Semitism uh, as equivalents. When in fact it, these this is not the same thing. Uh, when you're talking about a publicly elected official in a sustained uh, series of comments. Uh, and uh, and this act by someone at the in West Virginia. Right. 
Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is that the Democratic Party and its leadership do not feel that it's worthwhile or or would it, or would even be successful to try to censure or really come out with a strong statement about a, a member of theirs that speaks the way she does. That's the bottom line. If they felt it was it, it was a good political move and that the Democratic Party can get away with, you know, overwhelmingly condemning someone like her, they would likely consider it and they would probably do it. But they know, and you just described how, they know that there's no way that they would have enough members to make it look like an overwhelming feeling among Democratic leadership and party to condemn someone like her. And that's a and that is a scary prospect. We sit down at the Shabbos table tonight with children and grandchildren and say to them that the mainstream Democratic Party of the United States, that the Jewish people in this country have voted for more often than not, including in the last election, uh, is not ready or is not is not in a in a position politically to to publicly strongly condemn a woman who speaks the way like the way that she does. I think it's important, though, that we balance it by telling that. You know, according to polls, even a Gallup poll that came out this week, which showed 59 to 21 uh, percent the American people support Israel over the Palestinian. Palestinian numbers have hardly changed. The pro-Israel numbers for the last uh, almost 10 years or nine years uh, range between two-thirds and 72 percent. So this uh, 69 percent view Israel favorably. So it's within the range. And uh, what we have seen, by the way, is a diminution in support more amongst Republicans, greater Trump, than amongst Democrats, according to, to, to the poll. Um, but still, overwhelmingly, they support Israel. They view Israel favorably, uh, two-thirds of the American people. And that that's really the numbers that count. Where do people stand? Look, we have right, Democratic- actions on the extreme right, anti-Semitic attacks, and, and, and people argue that there are more on the, from the extreme right than from the extreme left. Um, but the, what the difference here is that when people in authority are, are, are espousing these kind of views, if you don't nip it in the bud, and again, it is a very small minority, we shouldn't exaggerate it and we shouldn't focus on them. I think the role is to build up the rest, to educate and to to uh, isolate these people, uh, educate the larger mass, but isolate these members. Do whatever you know the, the Democratic Party should to do to to replace them in the next election, or to um, to it has to make clear that this is not acceptable. Uh, people give a lot of money to political parties and political candidates. They should think about these things as well. That's what the democracy, you, you have the chance and the opportunity to really make your voice heard. And that's, uh, you know, hopefully we will see that. You know, we, we have so many challenges right now coming up. And the, you know, the escalation right now in Gaza worries me a lot because Hamas has its own agenda. Iron Dome was, in fact, implemented this week again. It twice, uh, yes. Uh, and uh, we saw an escalation in the balloons with IEDs attached right. to them, explosive devices, and more attacks, and they're calling for, for more um, attacks along the border. And uh, and that has been uh, uh, been happening. Uh, and today, the, I'm sure the crowds will be pretty large, but they've been doing during the week and broadcasting. You know, they have these sound machines that make it impossible for people to sleep in the kibbutzim in the communities near Gaza. And so this is really a war on children uh, that that they're engaged in. And the um, and as well as you have uh, the question that is escalating situation in the north, 
with more and more talk about uh, whether the United States would recognize annexation by Israel, of the, the annexation by Israel of uh, the Golan Heights. And there seems to be more support for that right now being expressed than uh, has been true. So, but we have so many serious issues that really require, um, you know, the, even small things that hardly get any notice that the Russian special forces are training uh, an Al-Quds group of the Palestinian militia in Syria, that the, the replacement of Sunni population is escalating by Iran, uh, backed by Hezbollah, and, and putting in their people, that Hezbollah is, is training Sunni radicals uh, at the same time in inside Syria. Uh, you know, on, on every front, there are serious issues. But thank God Israel is strong and I think in a very good position overall. But we have to recognize, and, and, you know, Iran just appointed a new chief of staff and a new uh, head of the judiciary, both of whom were uh, involved in, uh, considered in extremist activities. This, this judiciary head, Ariza, was in the 80s a member of the judiciary that sentenced a lot of people to death. And uh, this is uh, an assertion, I think, by the Supreme Leader and others, uh, and putting him perhaps in line for succession uh, to be the supreme leader, he's a, a deputy ayatollah in, in rank. Uh, so these are all important issues, and they've gotten obfuscated over the week because of the these um, sideshows. Yeah, I got that. The in terms of annexation, other major issues in Israel, it looks like none of those are considerations in the election, and basically this is just turning into a referendum on Bibi. That is true. You, you vote for or against Bibi, and uh, I, I spoke to some young Israelis yesterday, and essentially they said that they had voted for him in the past, but they didn't feel comfortable. Right. And I think two-thirds of Israelis said that, that they had reservations about, or something stronger, uh, about voting for him. But again, it's only you know a week after the announcements, and right. uh, you know th- there was no real shock involved. There was no new revelation and we don't know the details. And again, this this will take nine months, a year before any action on this is taken. So it's an overhang, but and, and there's no clarification in the way to to repudiate it on his part, except to make statements saying this is not true and that he will prove it's not true. But that's what every defendant says. What happened this week with the UN Rights Council, the UN, and Saudi Arabia? Um, well, the Human Rights Council met, and uh, we had expected the um, um, the issuance of uh, a blacklist against companies. It was put off, Israeli companies in the West Bank, but it was put off for um, an undefined period, something we, we did not want to see happen, and we're glad that it was put off. Uh, but again, you, so the, the, this issue is not coming up. They're, they're meeting this uh, coming week, I think, in Geneva, uh, and it's um, the Article 7 is still in place, which is the only country in the world that has a separate article on the agenda with all of the spate of the normal and regular meaningless resolutions, um, meaningless in terms of their authenticity and, and legitimacy, but not meaningless in terms of the, the criticism of Israel. And we saw statements by uh, the UN officials about the um, attacking uh, Israel, Saudi Arabia, and others over human rights issues, which is—I um, mean—it's just ludicrous when you you think about the whole array and panoply of issues, and Israel's incredible record of reaching out, of helping, of 
of uh, service to others. It's Mashav program, foreign aid program, and yet it just doesn't matter. It's the automatic condemnations at the United Nations, which does feed also into the current atmosphere. Yeah, that's what I thought was significant was that Saudi Arabia was actually cited for the first time that they're part of the council. Um, the uh, the archives of uh, World War II that are about to be released, are we going to learn much more, do you think, we're going to learn much more about Pope Pius XII and um, and uh, his attitude toward Jews during the world during World War II? I do believe that we will learn uh, things. You remember that, that the Vatican scholars have been going through this for years, so I hope that all the documents will actually be released, that we'll actually get to see everything, but the, um, uh, you know, the, this has been, the period of Pope Pius uh, was, has been a subject of a lot of uh, speculation, a lot of debate, a lot of accusations and counter-accusations, so I think it will be good to clear the air, and I hope that they will really provide access to the scholars for to, to all of this, but it will be another year before that will happen. Finally, Malcolm, Jason Greenblatt at the White House is suggesting that Israel and the PA or Israel and whoever its partner will be should be left alone to negotiate uh, the future peace process. Uh, is it possible that once this election is over and the U.S. does in fact um, issue its uh, peace proposal that there will be a strong attitude uh, like that, meaning that, uh, that the U.S., I think for the first time, would in fact encourage that it be left to the two parties with very little intervention? Well, that's the only way that a, a peace process works, is if the parties have to come to an agreement. All the good work that uh, Jason has done and the uh, and uh, Jared Kushner and their efforts and expending that effort, traveling constantly to the region, I want to give them credit for, uh, you know, this. Uh, and and the biggest credit is that they've kept it really secret, which is a miracle, um, and, uh, and respectfully acting so that they didn't interfere in the election by coming forward with it before. Uh, the election in Israel, uh, and seeming to be steadfast in their commitments and, and expressing it, and the demands on, on uh, Abbas, etc. Right. So, the, the, but the fact is that when you have a lot of people mixing into the brew, it, it often can be counterproductive, right. and we should give it a chance. It, it is, it's not going to be a panacea. It's obviously going to be things people like and don't like, and then we'll we'll have to see. But right now, Abbas says he won't even talk about it, and especially after the Jerusalem, the shift in the Jerusalem consulate to be under the embassy. I mean, they're just saying everything compounds it, and and they disregard. Um, you know, the the United States' role right now, and 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 the process, and saying they will not be part of it. I don't think that they can stay outside of it. They're going to have to respond to it one way or another. And the most important message tonight to children and grandchildren around the world, do whatever you need to do and work as hard as possible to increase peaceful Jewish unity. And Aliyah, and that that we not give up and people not let uh, uh, this minority to dictate how we feel. What it should do is spur everybody on to greater involvement greater attendance at APEC, at things you've got to repudiate in every way. Those who make these, uh, who engage in these kind of activities, the lesson of history is that you can't let it go, that you have to stand up, identify it, speak out against it, and that it's not a Jewish problem. This is the world's problem. This is a, we are the victims. Yeah. But it, they have to stand up and resolve it. Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Sure. Have speak. a good Shabbos.
We'll speak again next week. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Weekly update Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the A.M. I want to thank Aaron's Casino Farms, NSN on the road in Israel this week, brought to you by Aaron's Casino Farms. Make sure to take Aaron's Casino Farms on the road with you this Pesach for all your Pesach needs. Don't forget the mega event for Nefesh Benefesh. We'll broadcast there at 12 noon Eastern time. That's a six-hour difference this Sunday between the Eastern time zone and the state of Israel. Right For a period of about three weeks, it'll be, it'll be a six-hour difference because we are changing the clock Sunday morning. 2 a.m. will become 3 a.m., and Israel does that later in March. The mega event for Nefesh Benefesh will be there between noon and 2. It's a 10 a.m. until 4 p.m. day at the mega event at the Glen Point Marriott. Um, come learn about Aliyah. nbn.org slash mega. nbn.org slash mega. Mazal tov to Janet and Lior Hode, Ilana and Ellie Katz. The honorees is coming Sunday. The Young Israel of Teaneck dinner. Mazal tov from all of us here. At JM and the AM, Mazal Tov to Tamar and Ross Rothenberg, Ariella and Ruby Herman, Dina Lewin, Becky Weisberg, this past Wednesday night, honorees of the Yeshivat Noam dinner here in, well, not here, but in New Jersey. Friday morning, Rosh Chodesh morning on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Pekude. We'll close out the Book of Shmos. Candle lighting at 534 Standard Time, 534. And again, don't forget tomorrow night we change the clock from 2 a.m., it'll um, automatically become 3 a.m. How do you like that? This time it should be for, oh, and don't forget, don't forget that uh, Rabbi and Mrs. Yudin are being uh, honored at the 50th anniversary tribute dinner. Wow. Unbelievable. Um, the 50, 50th anniversary tribute dinner coming up on April the 7th up in um, the atrium in Muncie. Celebrate Rabbi Benjamin and Chevy Yudin's 50 years of dynamic leadership at Shomrei Torah and beyond. Certainly make a reservation for, for the dinner. If you can't and you want to pay tribute to the Yudins from anywhere around the world, you could donate by going to yudintribute.org. Yudintribute.org. Be as generous as possible. This time each and every Friday, every era of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. And good Chodesh. Today is the second day of Rosh Chodesh, first day of Rosh Chodesh Adar Sheni. And tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Pekude. It is Shabbos Chazak. We complete the second Sefer of the Torah, Sefer Shmos. According to the Chinuch, there are no mitzvos in Parshas Pekude. What we have is the completion of the sanctuary. And let's remember what the Ramban says, that it's the completion of the sanctuary and the bringing of the Shekhinah down to literally the community of man and specifically the community of Israel, that this is what reflects our Geula, our redemption. I found an exciting verse that spoke to me, and I'm hoping that its lesson will be inspiring and challenging for all of us. The Torah tells us at the beginning of the second Aliyah, Sheni, Vayas Eso Ephod, that the Ephod, the apron that the Kohen Godol wore, Bitzalel made, 
and he made it out of zahav, gold, tcheles, and argaman, all the other materials that um, he had. And then the Torah goes on to explain what was that about the gold. And if you look in Pasuk Gimel, this is in chapter 39, Pasuk 3, the Torah tells us, Vayirak'u espache hazav, that literally they hammered out the thin sheets of gold and the kitsates psilim, and they literally cut threads out of the gold in order to incorporate them into the turquoise, the purple, the scarlet wool, into the linen. Now this is something which the Ramban writes was nothing less than incredible. And he notes that this is really the only place where the Torah tells us how the material was made. Meaning that in all other areas, the Torah just says that they took the material. But here they tell you how the material was made. Why? Because he says, the Torah. Shesiper Bekad, the Torah tells us, Hamachshava Shechitshu Bechute Hazahav. This was a complete and total innovation, which had never been done before, namely, to make threads out of metal. Kihoya Toma Be'enehem. It was literally a wonder in their eyes that gold should be tavui v'shazur, it should be spun as tzemer and pishtim, as wool and linen. Kilo nishma arayom hahu lasos came. This was something that had never been done prior to this time. And Rashi goes on to explain how exactly it worked that the gold was incorporated together with the other materials. And I quote from the Rashi, and I translate to save time, but this is verse 3 in chapter 19. And here it teaches you how they would spin the gold with the threads of the other varieties of material of which the priestly garments were made. They would beat plates of gold thin, cut strands from them across the length of the plate so as to put those strands into a mixture with each variety of material in the choshen and in the aphod, about which of these two garments they are the ones which included gold. And Rashi then concludes, very important, there was one thread of gold intertwined with six threads of turquoise wool. And so with each variety of material, all of the various materials had six-fold threads, and the gold was a seventh thread with each one. 
Now the second half of the Pasuk reads that this gold was worked into Besol Chatcheles, which is the turquoise wool, Besol Garmon, the purple wool, Besol Tolas Hashani, into the scarlet wool, Ubesol Hashesh, and into the linen. Now, the Pasuk ends, Maasei Choshev, the work of an artist. Wow. Now, I would like to suggest that aside from a masterful physical activity, the Torah is teaching and suggests the Sam Derech a very powerful lesson. And that is as follows. Gold represents the highest standards, the highest accomplishments, be it in the realm of wealth, as we find at the very beginning of Pasha's Truma, where the Torah invites everyone to participate, and each on their level, Zohav, Kesef, and Choshes, those who have the best, the most, will give from the gold, the middle will be the silver, and the lower level is that of copper. Gold represents to this day in the Olympics, the countries tell their teams, go for it and bring back the gold, the highest level. A person has golden character, gold. What is one to do with their goal? And the answer is, says the Torah so powerfully, four times, it is to be besoch atcheles, within as we saw before, one of six other strands together with the other threads which comprise, together with the turquoise wool. Besoch ha-tcheles, besoch ha-argaman, within and into the purple wool. Besoch tolas hashani, the scarlet, u-besoch hashesh, and into and within the linen. The idea being, don't flaunt the gold, don't show off the gold, incorporate it as part of whatever else is there, so it should not be so conspicuous. Now this idea as to how to live one's life in a non-conspicuous fashion, but rather in a more sonua fashion, in a more modest way, is indeed hinted at very strongly by our Torah at the beginning of the fifth book. There in Parshas Bamidbar, at the beginning of chapter 2, I'm sorry, there in the beginning of the book of Devarim, at the beginning of chapter 2, so Hashem says to Moshe, who in turn passes this on to the Jewish people, Rav Lachem, enough, sov eshahar hazeh, you're encircling the mountain, penu lachem which literally means turn towards the north. However, in Hebrew, the word tzafon 
does not only mean one of the directions, north, but as we use it on the night of the Pesach to describe one of the last aspects of the Seder, the order of the evening, we have Sofun Borech. We eat the Afikomon, which is hidden. And Sofon, the play on word, says the Kleyakar, the Torah is teaching a lesson how the Jew is to survive, especially in Golos, that when he becomes successful, he should not flaunt it, especially in the eyes of the descendants of Esav, the Roman population, civilization. Why? Ki ein there's no people that's as jealous of the Jewish people as Esau. Because according to them, whatever we have is only stolen from them. And when they see our success, this agitates them, creates a great sense of jealousy. And too often, that is a direct cause of anti-Semitism and other horrific problems for the Jewish people. And therefore, he reminds us, the Kleyakar, that back in Parshas Miketz, Yaakov sends his sons down to Egypt when he says at the beginning of chapter 42, Lama Tisra'u, don't show off to the other peoples around you, to Esau and Yishmael, who at that time there were without food. You had food, but don't show it off to them. Conduct yourselves as if you don't, and therefore you too are to go down to Mitzrayim. But the lesson is very powerful. The lesson is don't flaunt. And therefore, the truth of the matter is this verse which speaks about a technicality as to how they made the strands in the sanctuary for the special garments of the Kohen Gadol is there to teach us not only about the making of a golden thread, but how to live a golden life. And indeed, every Shabbat, as part of the verses of blessing that we say, beginning with V'yiten L'cha, we cite from the Gemara in Megillah 31a, which teaches in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, B'chomakom sh'atomotze gedulaso wherever we find literally the greatness of God, Shom Atomotse Anvasanuso. In that same place where you find the greatness of God, there you will find his humility, that Hashem conducts himself in a most humble fashion. He does not flaunt his greatness. If anything, he always conceals his greatness. 
and his miracles, except for the times where it's absolutely crucial for him to so do. And this, I believe, my friends, is a very powerful lesson that each and every one of us has to ask themselves on a most personal way. How am I faring? How am I doing with the blessings that God has given me? Am I using these in a manner whereby it is besoch, it is within, it is not used to flaunt and to make other persons jealous, or, unfortunately, is it in a manner which can cause problems within and without our Jewish community. And that's why I heard from an uncle of mine, the late Rav Aaron Wiener. He said, based upon the Pasuk in the Aseris Hadibros, in the second command, whereby the Torah says, you're not to make for yourself a carved image. Kol Tmuna, Asher, Bashamayim Mimaal, Vialo Shero, Basher Booretz Mitachas, which means literally not to copy that which is in the heavens above or on the earth below. But he applied this very, very strongly to our everyday life. When it comes to matters of spirituality, mimal, you should always be looking higher. You should always realize there's somebody greater than me. I learn, somebody learns more. I try to do good, somebody does more. I should always be propelled to go for the gold, to go for the gold standard, to try to accomplish more. However, Booretz, when it comes to the area of Gashmius, when it comes to the area of materialism, Mitachas, always look below you, always look and realize how much you have compared to those who don't have as much, and therefore that's going to help you in your delicate balance between going for the gold, having it, but make sure that as the Torah enumerates no less than four times that the gold is to be the soch. The gold was to be within. The gold was to be incorporated and not being flaunted. Four times the Torah reminds us of this in order to impress upon us that the gifts that we receive from on high are to be dealt with in a most sonua, in a most fashion, which represents the opportunity of man not to flaunt these gifts of God, but rather to conduct themselves in a most sonua fashion. Not easy, but it's a challenge that all and each and every one of us has to face and resolve. Shabbat Shalom. 
to all. JM in the AM, my thanks to Rabbi Yudin, of course, and a reminder that the uh, the dinner is coming up, 50th anniversary dinner celebrating Rabbi Benjamin and Chevy Yudin's 50 years of dynamic leadership at Shomri Torah and beyond. Uh, come to the dinner at the atrium on April 7th. If you're not able to come to the dinner, donate generously. Uh, do both at yudintribute.org. Yudintribute.org. Well, it is no secret that nobody knows uh, the Likud and BB and Israeli politics the way Phil Rosen does. Phil is with us live via telephone. He is the um, uh, vice chair emeritus of American Friends of Likud. And now serves as vice serves as vice chair of the Republican Jewish Coalition. He's with us live from Israel, I believe. Phil Rosen, welcome back to JM and the AM. Hi, Nefam. Uh, big greetings from uh, a very beautiful Jerusalem day. Yeah, it was it was heartwarming for me when you contacted me from uh, Jerusalem while we were there. It was really a spectacular time for us, and I'm glad you're getting set to enjoy a wonderful Shabbat in the holy city. Phil, I keep using this expression, and I need your reaction to it. It looks again that it looks like again that BB is doubling down on the security issue when it comes to the campaign for prime minister. Would you agree that that is his strategy, and that's what he's doing? I think I think he's always um, focused on security, and. Um, you know, it's it's a fact that nobody provides security to the Jewish people better than uh, Bibi and uh, his right-wing partners. Um, and even more important than that, uh, the the other side, which is no longer the Labor Party, which was perennially the opposition, now it's a uh, a conglomerate of different parties, probably including the Arab parties. No one has any idea what their position is on anything. Um, they've come out with no position papers, no statements that clarify what their positions are. They've got several people at the top that have completely different, um, have had completely different positions on all issues in the past. So, and and some of them have never expressed a view on anything, like uh, the number one person in that uh, organization, um, Benny Gantz, has never politically made his views known. And uh, I think that's frightening for a country like Israel. It's frightening for any country, but I think particularly for Israel, which is always uh, facing threats, um, existential threats. And I think that uh, when when you're in that position, you have to go with somebody who has proven himself uh, or herself, but in this case himself, to be the protector of the Jewish people. Phil Rosen with us from Israel. All right, so there's two things. I mean, I, I'm sure you've had an opportunity to speak to Bibi during your visit, and obviously there's two curiosities out there. Number one, do the numbers worry him? The fact that the coalition that you just alluded to, uh, at least in the polls, has stronger numbers politically uh, in terms of mandates than he does at the moment. And number two is the is the uh, looming indictment. Now that we know it's going to happen, is that worrying him at this time? How would you say he's reacting to those two elements? Well, I, I won't comment on the second one because I think until until it's come to fruition and until he's had his defense, I don't think you can talk about um, things like indictments and, and 
you know, some of that. I think it's it's ridiculous that uh, everybody's focused on it as if uh, as if there's been a trial and a process. I mean, you know, innocent until proven guilty, and it's just not fair that this has become even close to an election issue. I'm, I'm extremely disappointed in the prosecutor and the attorney general for having made this into uh, an election issue, and I think it should never have been. Um, but going to the first item, um, you know, polls uh, in Israel, um, I think, are as accurate as throwing darts against, uh, against a wall. Um, I think in the past, I don't know if you remember, but Bibi's first, uh, first election, uh, Shimon Peres was projected, and I was here for that, Shimon Peres was projected to be the winner um, by uh, a great majority only two days or a day before the election, and uh, BB won by a nice, tidy sum. And I think that, uh, in my mind, um, polls just don't work in this case, particularly when you've got an amalgamation of, of parties. Um, I think the most important thing to focus on in this election is who's going to provide security, number one, and um, does the party that you're choosing does that party um, have, you know, some some poison in it? And the poison, in my mind, is the poison of the Arab parties being part of a of a governing coalition. The Arab parties, that many of whom don't, many of whose individuals don't necessarily believe in the state of Israel, and that's frightening. Oh, no question about that. Phil Rosen with us live from Israel discussing the election. I, I've got to ask you about another piece of current events that is, uh, you know, that all of us are focusing on. Um, and I'll ask it to you in this specific manner. What did you think of the comments by Nancy Pelosi about the comments of one of her colleagues in Congress about Israel and the Jewish people? So I am extremely, extremely disappointed um, that the Democrats couldn't have voted a simple simple, simple resolution against anti-Semitism. Everybody talks about how that's anti-Semitism is the worst thing in the world, but then when it comes to, you know, what, what expression that uh, I've used in the past, tuchasaf and tish, you know, <laughs> to, to actually put, um, put the, the words into power and put the words into a resolution, um, they fail to do so, and instead they make it a resolution against any form of hatred. This is very specific. One of the Democratic uh, Congresswomen, Congresswomen um, said something that clearly, absolutely, unequivocally, not just once, but several times, was anti-Semitism. And that's wrong, and that should be condemned, and that person should be forced to step down from a committee position, especially the Foreign Relations Committee, but any committee position, if you do something as abhorrent as that, you know, when, when King, uh, Congressman King said something that was, that was abhorrent, the Republican leadership made him step down from all committee assignments, and that's what should happen here. And the excuse that she's allowing, that uh, Nancy Pelosi is ready to defend her colleague by saying she simply didn't understand or, you know, or, 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 um, or realize how insensitive these comments were and that you know, they weren't coming from a bad place. And I know I'm paraphrasing, but that to me is one of the most disturbing things. You're talking about a very powerful member of Congress. You're talking about somebody who has 
great Jewish um, uh, uh, constituency from a very important state with a great Jewish population. You're talking about somebody who understands the importance of the Jewish community of the United States supporting the Democratic Party, and yet she feels comfortable enough to make a statement like that. That's absolutely crazy, and I think that uh, if um, if someone doesn't understand it, then she in particular should be should be taken off of all committee assignments and let her get an education. And once she's figured it all out, maybe she can come back to the table and apply again for a committee assignment. But until then, that person should not be serving on a committee. It's no excuse that you don't understand world issues. You don't understand anti-Semitism. This is only 70 years after the Holocaust. Please. Uh, well, we would hope that Democratic leadership would take your recommendation. I can tell you that much. Phil, finally, I got I got I got to ask you if since you're in Jerusalem and you're in Israel, obviously, I've got to ask you if you're feeling the same thing I felt this week. Uh, did you were you surprised by some of the campaign messages that are being transmitted uh, around and about town? For instance, did you know that Kahlon is running with Menachem Begin and that Shas is offering Rebovadia as the head of their ticket? Did you see those billboards around Jerusalem? I, I did. <laughs> I did. It's fascinating. I, I, in fact, last night I was at uh, the opening of a company in Israel, a company's office, um, the Cross River Savings Bank, and um, I sat next to Aryeh Derry, and uh, I asked him whether... Uh, whether Rabbi Vajja, um is enjoying the selection season. And uh, he looked at me, and he started, broke into a smile and then a laugh, and he said, that's the funniest thing in the world. So, um, yeah, I'm enjoying that. Uh, you should know, Malcolm, I'm here for two reasons. Obviously, I'm here for, for whatever politics I'm doing, but also, um, and, and whatever advice I'm giving, but I'm also here... Um, yesterday was the Our Crowd um, uh, Symposium oh, John uh, Conference. John Medved. There were 17,000 people. That's an amazing number in Israel. It's the largest conference that's ever been in Israel. And it was in Jerusalem, in Binyanei Ha'oma. What a blessing to the Jewish people. They had hundreds of companies coming to talk about what they're producing all Israeli or mostly Israeli companies. They had people from all across this planet. Um, you had about 150 Chinese. You had 70 Koreans, South Koreans, all across Australians, South Americans. Everybody was here to see Israel at its best. And it was such a joy to be there. The, the message of the conference, in fact, was about not just investing, but impact investing investing in things that do good for people all across the world, things like changing the, um, the, the atmosphere in terms of um, uh, natu- natural disasters, in terms of medical advancements, just unbelievable stuff. And, you know, Kolakavot to John Medved, but to everybody who put it together, and Kolakavot um, to Israel, that Israel was part of that. What a, but it was in Israel. What a time we are living in. Phil, thank you so yep. much for that. Enjoy Shabbat in Jerusalem, and thanks so much thank for all you. your input. You too. Have a great Shabbat, everybody. Phil, Phil Rosen, Vice Chair, Republican Jewish Coalition, at one time the chairman of the American Friends of Likud, and enjoying, quote-unquote, campaign season in Israel and being part of that unbelievable conference of 17,000-plus. Call a vote to John Medved and everybody 
from around the world who understands the power and the incredible acumen of the Israeli people at this time, especially in the world of technology. Just unbelievable. JM and the AM want to thank Aaron's Casino Farms for sponsoring NSN on the road in Israel this week. We did have an amazing and incredible journey, and I thank them very much. A reminder that Steve Sidorow is going to be here on Monday. We'll talk about Birthright Israel. He's vice chair of Birthright. We get an opportunity to speak with him in studio this coming Monday, and we are very much looking forward to it. Um, Listener Cena sent me a note. Bubby and Zadie Florida say huge mazel tov to our grandchildren, Hannah Miriam and Yehuda Rosen, who are celebrating their first wedding anniversary today. We can't believe it's been a year already. Seems like yesterday that we were dancing at your simcha, wishing you a wonderful day and fabulous year number two and many more happy years together in good health. All 120, Bubby and Zadie Florida, we know as uh, listener Cena and Mr. Listener Cena down in Florida. We wish them a Shabbat Shalom. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. Well into the night, so throw away your hammer. There's nothing left to do. Go on home and find a gift that's waiting there for you. Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos. All your work is done Gonna spend the day Together with The Holy One Say a special blessing On a cup That's filled with wine Man and his creator Is a very special sign Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com, on the NachumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. On this Erev Shabbos Parshas Pekude on our Rosh Chodesh morning, we say candle lighting time will be at 5.34 on this Erev Shabbos. Remember, we change the clock tomorrow night. There will be a six-hour difference between us here on the eastern seaboard and the state of Israel for about three weeks. It'll be a six-hour difference. We go to daylight savings time. We 
spring forward tomorrow night, 2 a.m. becomes 3 a.m. The mega event for Nefesh Benefesh is this Sunday. Make sure to tune in to Matis from 7 a.m. until 9 a.m. live on Sunday morning here at the Nahum Single Network. At noon Eastern time, we'll be at the mega event. If you haven't registered yet for the Teaneck Marriott Glen Point to come to the Nefesh Benefesh mega event, it's nbn.org. Excuse me. Yeah, nbn.org slash mega. nbn.org slash mega. Make sure to register. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Speak to you on Sunday from Nefesh Benefesh. And, of course, here Monday morning where Steve Sidero, Vice Chair of Birthright, is going to be our guest. Till then, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.